Welcome to the Pacific Coast Church Podcast, coming to you from our beloved Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Awesome. One more time. Thanks so much for being here today. PCC, my name is Pastor JF, and I'm just honored to be a part of this wonderful family called Pacific Coast Church. Hey, it's Christmas time. Is Is anyone excited about that? Christmas season. I'm telling you what, it was like uh, Christmas or Thanksgiving happened and, you know, it was like orange and brown and turkeys and it was like 12 hours later and my house was like a winter wonderland. You know what I'm talking about? Like we go hard. We go hard with Christmas. So I hope you're enjoying uh, this time of year. It's one of my favorites. And I just love all the Christmas traditions. Do you all have traditions in your families? And looking back, you're like, man, I remember doing this, this, and this. And you've already got it all laid out. One tradition that lots of parents have adopted over the course of the last decade or so is this tradition of this thing called uh, Elf on the Shelf. Have you heard of this, the Elf on the Shelf? Now, most of you kind of know what that's all about, but for those of you who don't know that, our family, when my kids were real little, we, we we adopted this silly little tradition. And the whole idea is that you go to the store and you buy this little elf and you get to name it, right? So my daughter, when she was, I don't know, four, five, six, she named her little elf Billy, all right? And Billy always comes back this time of year. It's an incredible thing from the North Pole. And one of the things, the idea with the elf thing is that these elves, right, they're they're scouts, if you will. They're kind of checking in on the kids throughout the month of December. They uh, hang out in the house, somewhere in the house. Every day it's a different place in the house. But they kind of scout the kids' behavior. And when the kids go to sleep, Billy the elf flies back to the North Pole and reports on my kids' behavior. So, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing. And then every morning, my kids wake up, and they're kind of, you know, doing this thing, and they're looking, where's Billy at? Oh, there he is. He's up on the fridge. How did that happen? <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> and so we adopted this little tradition. Now, the thing is, 25 days. You, you got to, Billy's got to find a new spot somewhere in the house for that long. And here's a little secret. I know there's some kids in the, in the, in the room, so cover, cover your ears. I'm not going to let it out. But how many of you know that the elf has some helpers, if you will, that may or may not be biologically connected to the children? And the helpers kind of help out. But how many of you know that after like day seven or eight, the helpers can get tired? Are you tracking with me, PCC? <laughs> so, so we experienced this in our, in our family. By about day nine, it seemed like Billy wasn't in any, like, wasn't in any cool spots anymore. It's what, it feels like he wasn't putting much effort into it. So Ash and I were getting tired. And so Ash said, I got an idea. Saw something on Pinterest. That's always a bad thing, right? She said, I saw somebody who had their elf, who the elf had a cast on its leg and had a sling on its arm and a sign around its neck. And on the sign, it says, due to my accident, I have to stay in the same place for the rest of Christmas. (laughs) Doctor's orders. So I was like, brilliant, okay? So sure enough, we doctored up Billy. And he happened to find his spot in the house. 
So when the kids came out, Izzy came running out. She's like, Dad, Bill, Billy's been in an accident. And we were all, really? What happened, you know? So we ran over, and I was like, well, what would you like me to read the sign on his neck? So I read the sign, and I said, Izzy, it looks like, you know, it looks like that uh, the doctor says due to his accident, he's got to just stay in the same place for the rest of Christmas. And my brilliant little Izzy, my church-going Izzy, you know what she said? She said, Dad, let's lay our hands. <laughs> Billy right now. Our God is powerful and mighty, and he will heal Billy. True story. <laughs> and in that moment, in that moment, I thought about how much I wish all of our responses, right? to everything we face was that. My God is mighty. My God is powerful. My God makes a way when there seems to be no way. So we laid our hands on Billy. <laughs> and man, it was a miracle because he was healed. Last week, Ash kicked off this series entitled, He Shall Be Called. He shall be called, which comes from the book of Isaiah. And, and this is the anchor text for the next uh, few weeks here as we're in the middle of this Christmas holiday. But let's go to the text, have a look at it. And then I want to pack one of these names that the prophet Isaiah delivers. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For us, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And I like this part. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. You see, our hope, our hope today is never in who we are. Our hope today is always in who he is. That's what the month of December is all about, reminding ourselves. Now, I know there's some saints in this room, and you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, but you, you got to, because sometimes our humanity creeps back in, you got to stop and remember that our hope, right, comes from him. It's not through what we can do or what we can produce. It's because of who he is inside of us. And that's what this, this is what this holiday season is all about. Last week we talked about Jesus as wonderful counselor and, that what, and really what that means to us, how he is our wonderful counselor. Today I want to talk about him as our mighty God, our powerful God. Most of us know the word mighty means, most of us know what the, the word mighty means, but I, I, just, I want to give you a little bit, a, a definition right here so you can see it. Here's what the word mighty means. It means possessing great power and strength. It was so important that we understand who God is. And that he isn't just wonderful counselor, but also he's mighty God. He's wonderful counselor, but he's also mighty God. And it's so important that the Lord included that name in the prophecy given to Isaiah. It's important to know that he is indeed a mighty God. So today, I want to look at three clues in the Christmas story 
but help us to remember just how mighty our God really is, all right? So the first clue from the Christmas story, and when I say that, really the, the birth of Christ that we're acknowledging and celebrating the month of December, really to help us know how mighty our God is, is number one, you got to remember the count. Remember the count. It's the first clue from the Christmas story to help us know how mighty our God is. One way you do that is, is remembering the count, and I'll unpack that here in a second. But look at what the text says, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says that this, At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census, you say, what's a census? It's a count. The, the, the government was wanting to know how many citizens were in their part of their kingdom. So, so Augustus, who was the Roman emperor, he decreed that a, a count should be taken throughout the entire Roman Empire. This was the first census, census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Verse 3, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this count, this census. And because Joseph was the descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Remember the count. You say, what are you talking about, J.F.? Friends, the very first step in recognizing just how mighty our God is, is to stop and take an account of what he's already done. To stop and take a census an account to look back and remind ourselves and those that are around us just all that he's already done for so many other people, including yourself. Just as Augustus was recalling a census account of the people, if you and I can stop during this Christmas season to recognize just how much God's already done for us, friends, I'm telling you, we would never, ever, ever, ever forget just how mighty and powerful our God is. If you're willing to look back and say, look what God did there and there and there, if you would be intentional about that over the course of this next several weeks, I'm telling you, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an affirmation, it's a reminder of just how mighty our God really is. This past week, I was visiting my family in Florida, and for several different reasons. One of the reasons is uh, because my father uh, is sick, and due to his sickness, he needs a bone marrow transplant. And so, just so everyone, you know, some of you know him, he's preached here before, but we are very hopeful that he's going to be healed. He has a phenomenal team at the University of Miami who's treated, they're very hopeful. So this isn't like, oh man, oh my, no, 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 we're, we're strong and hopeful. But because of that, his medical team let him know that he was going to literally have to take an entire year off from any type of work. And so some of you know that my father is a senior pastor of Trinity Church in Miami, Florida. Phenomenal church, I'm telling you, thriving, growing, uh, impacting the community. But he's, he's the lead guy, you know? And so we've known about his condition for the last several months, but it kind of got closer to home a few weeks ago. And through prayer and conversation, he made the decision, our family, we as a family made the decision that he would go on a one-year medical sabbatical. 
So it was really important that I was there this past, thank you for letting me be there, for me to be there this past Sunday so that I could stand side by side with my brothers and my family and, and show them that we, we've got his back, that he's going to make it and all this. And, and as far as the logistics, it's all going to work out. My brother pastors a church in Miami too. He's going to step in and help lead that church for the next year or so. It's a win-win for everybody. But my dad's still sick, right? And he's, he's, he's nervous like we all would be when we have to go into something, a procedure like that. So we got up there and gave the announcement. And it was wild because some of you also know my brother Graham. My brother Graham, uh, he's now in his mid-30s, and he's, he's been up here, and he shared his testimony for The part of his testimony is that when he was six months old, he came down with spinal meningitis, and he died. Uh, Mary Bridge Hospital, you can go knock on the door, and they have his file. He was dead for almost 15 minutes straight at six months old, and the doctors brought him back to life. Jesus brought him back to life, Right? He's a miracle. But a part of that, uh, the story about that too is that about two or three days into that episode, the doctors came in my parents and the lead doctor said, sir, you should pray to your God right now that your, your son would die uh, because he will be deaf, he will be blind, he will, um, he will literally lay in a bed for the rest of his life. He will have no, he, you, you will have no interaction. It will be a burden on your family you should just pray that he dies in the next 48 hours or so. My dad said, we're not doing that. <laughs> like, we're going to pray that that doesn't happen. And I can, I can spend an hour sharing the entire, entirety of this story, but today he's not deaf, he's not blind, he's, 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 not, he's not just functioning, he's thriving, okay? But he does have a brain injury, so there's some setbacks. But it was so cool, man, because he got up there. We all kind of gave a... A few thoughts as brothers and family members and stuff. Well, Graham, Graham, Graham gets up and Graham begins to share his testimony of what God has done in his own life, right? And you got to know the, the audience was, was all taken aback. They were, they were, the congregation was kind of shocked. And so they're like, you know, what's going on? And my brother Graham stepped forward and what did he do? He gave an account, right? He gave a census. He, he reminded everybody of what his God had done in his life. And I can't explain it to you. There was like, a, like the room. I don't mean people. People stood up and started going crazy. But I mean like, like there was like this spiritual like weight like lifted off, lifted off of that room. Because my brother, right, who had already walked through what my father is about to walk through. It was not only a reminder to the congregation, but it was a reminder to my dad of who his God is too, right? And so we got home that night. My, I tell the text messages and the, you know, you know what they were all talking about? Graham's account. That was the whole thing. And so if you're able, right? Maybe, maybe you walked into this place and you're just like, Pastor, like the whole world is on my shoulders. I feel weak. I feel like I'm losing. I feel like I'm failing. I can't take a step forward. I, I would encourage you, as hard as it might be, to look back 
at what God has done for you in the past. Remember that he's mighty to do it even now. If you're like, I can't even remember, find someone in this room before you leave. I'm telling you the stories just sitting in this room right now of, of how mighty our God is and what he does in people's lives is in this space right now. Take a census, an account. Remember the count. But in that, here's what we so often fail to remember. There are times, just like Mary and just like Joseph, that God has to call us out of our familiar places. He calls us out of our comfort to really allow us to have proper perspective and to be able to take the account with clarity. I hate this part about my journey in faith. Like I hate, I hate having from time to time be, 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 be pulled out of what's comfortable into something that's uncomfortable so that I can grow. It's part of the process. Because here's what happens. When you get plucked out of this thing, lots of times, most of the time, it's against your will. I can't do this happen to me so many times. But God, God moves you into something else. And what happens when this process takes place is you, you sober up pretty quick. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like you get laser focused. And there's just like this clarity, right? And in this place, you've got some decisions to make. How will I respond to this situation? Is it just going to be complaining and pushback and misery? Or are you able to get a little fresh perspective of what God may, might be trying to do within you? I'm preaching on myself this morning, friends. If you could go, wait a second, okay, man, ah, all the noise. This might be a moment that I can grow. Then you can begin to embrace it, and it stretches you, and you get through it. And then you look back and you say, man... I wouldn't be where I'm here today if I wouldn't have been removed from the place of, of comfort, right? Maybe, that's your, maybe you're here today, and that's you. Maybe it's so you can have proper perspective to recall all that God's done for you in your life. So we get comfortable at times. So number one, remember the count. Here's the second one, and that is remember the castle, you say, castle? I say, yes. There's a castle in the Christmas story. Did you know that? Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi, these are the wise men, right? These are the astronomers. These are the smartest dudes around, scientists, kings. Kings from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, why did these wise men show up in Jerusalem looking for this king who, who, where, who, who where the star was directing them to? The reason why is because in Jerusalem there was a castle. There was a palace. It's another word for it, right? The, those kings, right? The most brilliant minds of that day, they knew history. They, they, they were so far out um, as far as intelligence and, and, and research and whatnot. They could read the patterns of the stars. And yet they still operated 
on assumptions of what they thought power looked like. They just assumed that, oh yeah, the power's in the castle. The, the leader's in the palace. Of course we're just going to go there, right? They thought that the only place power and might lived together was in a castle, a palace. The question is, why does remembering that matter? Why, why do you want me to remember the palace, the castle, J.F.? Because if you're only looking for the power of God in places that look like castles and palaces, then you will miss him in the mightiest of moments. You say, where's that? In the dark times. When his light shines the brightest. Right? The more you understand that our mighty God works in the most unlikely ways. Any testimonies of that in your life? Where you assumed that's what God's going to do because he did it that way for that person. Or maybe God's going to do this for me because he did it just the same way like this 20 years ago. But maybe you're, you're, you're just assuming, maybe, maybe it's a season of life where you're assuming that I'm not, I'm not in a good enough place. I'm not in a good enough standing right now to get close to the Lord Jesus Christ because I'm in the wrong season. I got to get myself all cleaned up, right? Put together, right? Get in a small group, do all the stuff. I got to do all this stuff before I can get into the presence of God. These, these assumptions that we make that, of course, our leader, our mighty God, he's only in the palace. That's where he's at in the castle. But can I tell you, we serve a God of mystery who moves and operates in unlikely situations. I could sit here for hours and tell you stories of, wow, how did that happen? It was only by God, right? I love how Paul said it like this in Philippians Chapter 4, which is a very popular passage of scripture that people quote all the time. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. So Paul's got perspective here. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So he says all that to say this. I've got perspective on life. Now he says the verse that we all like to quote all the time when we're running out on the field. You know what I'm saying? We put the, on, the, on the thing, you know, on the, the football and they write it on the, you, you get what I'm saying, right? I can do all things. I can do all of this. Meaning I can be content in whatever I'm walking through. And how can I do this? Through him. Through him who gives me strength. By his strength. By his power. By his mighty handy work. All right? We're going to receive communion here in just a minute. And if you didn't receive the elements, I'll, I'll give you an opportunity to get them. But I want to give you one more thought before we do that. And our, our team can come back and we're going to close after that. So remember the count. Look back from time to time. Remember what he's done for you or someone that's in your life. I'm telling you, there's times where I, I, I'm so like... I'm in such a dark place where, I, where I'm just like, my, I can't even look back. Have you ever been there where you're like, I don't know if that really happened. Your, your humanity, gets, you get so in your head. And you have, to, you have to use somebody else's testimony to give you strength for that day. And can I tell you, that, that's okay, right? 
right? That, that's, that's, a gr- that's a really great thing, all right? So remember the castle. Here's the last picture, and that is remember the cave. Remember the cave. Back to the account in Luke. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 5, says this. He went there, Joseph went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child, that child being Jesus. Verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, most of you know that Jesus wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born in a castle or a hospital or a birthing center with midwives and essential oils. That stuff's all, by the way, all that's awesome. That didn't work out that way for the Son of God, okay? Jesus, the mighty God of heaven, was born in a cave full of animal waste, born in a mess, And this is our final picture and reminder of just how mighty our God is. And here's what I want you to know. His might was made for your mess. His might was made for your mess. I love love how Paul says it to the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 and 9. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Meaning my power, my strength, is seen in its fullness when you feel weak. Have you ever been there before? <laughs> it's like you, sometimes you got to get, get totally empty. You, you got to, you, you, like, so you'll, you'll find yourself in an incredibly dark place. It's in those moments where you'll experience the fullness of just how mighty our God really is. Therefore... I will boast the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It's in the weak moments of life. He was brought into not a castle, but a cave he was born. And then I close with this passage, Proverbs 24, verse 16. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. They rise again. I hope that encouraged you this morning as we've now moved into the season that's all about Jesus and his coming. I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you didn't have an opportunity to receive the, the, the communion elements, just the little cup there with the juice and the wafer. Just raise your hand real high, real high, and we'll get those to you. We want everybody that would like to participate to have that opportunity to to do so. close this way. So once you get it under control, maybe you just want to stand to your feet. We're going to be heading out just in a few minutes here, but I want to, I want to end. You know, maybe you're new or maybe you need a reminder that, you know, here at PCC, uh, the first of every, the first Sunday of every month, we receive communion corporately. Sometimes we do it 
in smaller groups more at a greater rate. But Jesus said, do this, do this. Remember me, remember me. And so that's what we're doing. So the first Sunday here in December, that's what we're gonna do as we're gearing up. It's the Advent season. I just encourage you over the course of the next handful of weeks leading up to Christmas, take some time to be even that much more intentional. Maybe it's you sitting around the table with loved ones or whoever that is, or, or, or alone in your quiet time. Maybe you want to do this with your family. First Corinthians chapter 11, St. Paul writes, and he says the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and he broke it. You want to break that in your fingers like that? He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Every time, every time, by the way, you can do this every time <laughs> you sit at a meal. Every time that you eat this bread, you will remember what I'm about to do to you. I'm paraphrasing. Come on, let's just raise that up. I'm reminded that the broken body of Christ represents healing. Healing. Do you need a touch from God today? Are you sick? Maybe you want to stand in the gap for a loved one. I have, I'm thinking of a couple of people in my life right now. That need, a, that need healing, physical. I'm, standing, I'm praying for my father who needs a touch from God. Heal his body. Think of that person right now. He, Lord, touch me. Heal me. Maybe your sickness is mental health. It's in the toilets. Lord God, clear our minds. Align the chemistry makeup of our entire being right now, Lord. God, we pray for broken relationships. We know that you can heal broken relationships that seem so far gone. So God, I pray for specifically husbands and wives, siblings, coworkers, enemies. Do you know that he can turn your enemy into a friend? That he has the power to do that? So God, we thank you that you're this little symbol here represents so much. It represents healing your broken body as those images of those soldiers whipping you and torturing you and mocking you as you took all of that totally naked, totally alone, betrayed, mocked, cursing you, pain, physical, mental, all of the things. You did that for our healing today. So God, I pray in the name of Jesus, according to Matthew chapter 18, the power of two, we're a room full of those that are in agreement together, that you are healing us right now in Jesus' name. Come on, let's take that bread together. same way the text says that he took the cup. He took that cup. Paul writes that took the cup and he said this is the new covenant in my blood. You say, what is that all about? It's the new contract between the Son of God and God the Father. No more animal sacrifices that had to take place throughout the year to 
take care of the mistakes that I've made, that you've made. That's, that's, that's history. He was the final, perfect, righteous lamb, the last sacrifice, Jesus Christ. His blood represents the covering of every mistake that you've ever made, every mistake you'll make next, this next week. <laughs> Can we be real, right? His blood, it covers it all. So, man, I'm so grateful that I get to stand up here linked arms spiritually with all of you, my, my PCC family, as we kick off this holiday season of December, starting first. First matter, by the way, remembering his blood. Lord, we stand here with this little tiny cup, this grape juice, as we hold it up. We recognize that it's a symbol of your blood, but really the, the, the power that's there, the power of a do-over, the power of freedom, the, 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 the power of assignment, the power of the covering that the, of our sin that, that, that we could never make right. I pray for those that spend their whole lives trying to pay penance through all kinds of weirdness to somehow make themselves feel better. When it's all a lie, there's only one way, and it's through Jesus Christ and his shed blood. And we stand on that. We never take it for granted. We never take it lightly. And we honor you and obey you and, and do this in remembrance, you said it, of what you did for us on the cross. And Lord Jesus, all of the fun activities that Christmas brings as we embrace those, Lord, what you did for us is over all of that stuff. And may we be intentional this month, remembering salvation and the power of it for us today. Thank you that there's no more, we don't have to walk in fear anymore. We don't, we, we, we don't have to allow anxiety to rack our minds in the middle of the night because your spirit is with us. And so we receive this together in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's take it. Come on, just someone say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome, awesome. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to pacificcoast.church.